Hello, it's Sarah here. I'm so glad you are listening to the Heart to Heart Outreach Podcast. One of my greatest passions is ministering to women, creating a space where they can learn from others and ultimately becoming the women God has made them to be. This message you are about to hear will surely do that for you. Why not share it with a friend as you grow together in Jesus? Hello everyone, and this is Sarah here from Heart to Heart Outreach. And today we are going to look at um, a topic, appointment with the Lord. And have you noticed that, um, you know, what tends, what looks like a disappointment or a setback in one's life, uh, most of the time turns out to be God's appointment. Um, I'm going to be using a few uh, biblical character stories uh, that went through uh, what looked like setbacks and disappointments in their lives and how God turned those uh, situations into his own uh, good and the good of the people and the good of the, the, the person themselves. Uh, Joseph, I'm just going to talk, you know, kind of like summarize because when it comes to Joseph, he had gone through a whole lot. Uh, those who are believers, you know about the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis and everything that he went through. But I'm just going to cut it short, really, because it can take the whole hour. So his disappointment was that he was mistreated by his uh, brothers and uh, they put him in a pit, as we know, sold him to the Ishmaelites and the Ishmaelites ended up putting him in, in Egypt. And, uh, you know, what happened was that Joseph at the time of this happening had no idea that it was in the plan of God for not only him, but for his family, even the brothers themselves and Egypt and the whole world at that time. None of that God had communicated to Joseph. It was just like a misery as, as it was, but God was in it. And uh, the other thing was that uh, Potiphar's wife, when he was there, he ended up in prison because Potiphar's wife, Potiphar was one of uh, Pharaoh, King Pharaoh, the king of Egypt at the time, as, uh, as official's uh, wife. And, you know, this man was um, uh, quite, you know, having quite a high position in, in Pharaoh's uh, kingdom. And therefore his wife desired Joseph, as we know. And, you know, the story goes that she was trying her luck every day to, you know, get he, Joseph to uh, sleep with her. And then in, in, you know, that day she managed to grab him in a corner and the, there was a struggle. And in the struggle, uh, Joseph uh, had to run away. And as he ran away, the, the, the lady was left with his uh, coat. And then, then she now, you know, she was very angry that Joseph did, you know, kind of like rejected her. And then now she sought out to uh, punish him for rejecting her. Then she used the coat as evidence uh, for her lies to say that uh, Joseph raped her. And then that put Joseph into prison. And then God was still with Joseph in that prison. A time came when uh, God uh, brought dreams to um, two of uh, the, the trusted uh, men in the, in the kingdom there. And then he was telling them about the dream was about a drought that was to come. That was the interpretation of the dream. And then nobody could interpret uh, those uh, uh, dreams but Joseph because God had given him a gift of uh, dream interpretation. He interpreted the dreams and indeed uh, that was true that uh, there was going to be a famine. And then, uh, you know, 
And then the story goes that uh, Joseph was now put in position of trust. He became the governor because of interpreting that dream. And then, then they started to prepare for the famine that was to come. You know, I think it was about a seven-year period for the famine to, to come or to last. And then Joseph now was, was given that, you know, uh, uh, position to prepare. And then he prepared, you know, food that would last them for the uh, duration of the famine. That was really going to be a blessing, you know, for everybody. And then uh, uh, the appointments in, in Joseph's life was that his character gained him favor with his master and was made the governor, as I said, and God granted uh, him uh, an understanding of dreams. And, and that, that was uh, one of the things that, you know, came out of his setbacks. When he was in prison, he had that understanding of dreams. And then, you know, uh, when when he was put in Egypt, he, he, he became the one that would uh, cater not only for himself, not only for Egypt, but for his family and also for the rest of the world in, in, in that era, you know, uh, bringing food, you know, that was his setback, uh, how they ended. Then uh, the second one is Moses. And as we know that Moses was brought up by uh, Egyptian and she was adopted by uh, Pharaoh's daughter because uh, at the time, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, Hebrew uh, boy children were being killed. And then so, you know, God, just maneuvered the whole thing to a point where Moses, as a, as a young, as, as a baby, was uh, taken by a Pharaoh's daughter who brought her, him up. So he grew up as a, an Egyptian, but he was a Hebrew. And then one day um, he saw a Hebrew uh, uh, fighting with an Egyptian. And I think the Egyptian was really powerful, overpowering the Hebrew. And he didn't like it. His, his Hebrew in him rose up and he felt like he needed to you know, defend his uh, Hebrew brother. And in, in defending the Hebrew brother, he accidentally, I think it, it must have been accident. I mean, the Bible doesn't say ex accidentally, but I take it, it must have been accidentally because I don't think he just, you know, went out to kill that man. But as he was trying to intervene, then he ended up killing the, the Egyptian. And then he, you know, he thought that nobody knew about it. But one day he was uh, one of the Egyptian men um, you know, uh, reminded him of what he did and then he had to flee and apparently was age 40. So he fled to the land of the Midian. And then, you know, even though he, the fleeing and leaving everybody he knows was not a good thing. I mean, nobody would really like to live as an exile in, in a foreign country knowing nobody there. You know, it was a setback, but then God was in it and something good was going to come out of that as well. The second... Uh, uh, um, a disappointment was that, um, you know, um, Moses, when he was in, in Midian, uh, one day, 40 years later, you know, we know the story of the burning bush and uh, God uh, uh, assigning him to go back to Egypt to, you know, deliver his people out of Egypt. We know that story. And then so when he was now on the journey out of Egypt to where the promised land, the Israelites with their hardened hearts and, and unbelief, um, you know, lack of faith, they started mumbling and groaning and complaining so much so to Moses to a point where the Bible says here that um, Moses asked that um, 
he prayed that if God really loved him, then God would kill him as a show of compassion. That is in Numbers 11.50. And then, you know, it was so much now, he couldn't carry the, 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 the groanings of his people any longer. He prayed to God that I would rather have you kill me than carry on with these people. You know, that was a setback. It wasn't good. But at the end of the day, the appointments with Moses was that he fled, but then, you know, he as, 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 as a package of his journey to ending up being the deliverer of God, uh, God's people. And he spent time in the presence of God, the Bible said, and he was an instrument to uh, uh, lead the children of Israel uh, out of Egypt. And everything that the setback of killing somebody, the setback of being an exile, all that it led to him now being an instrument to taking God's people out of Egypt into the promised land. It was God ordained. But at the time when he was going through those setbacks, God did not tell Moses that, you know, I'm doing this because I'm allowing this because this is going to lead to this. That was going to be easy for Moses to, to have faith with God and also to, 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 to follow through and also to cooperate. But God didn't say that, you know, until the burning bush, you know. And then the burning bush, Moses still had a problem with that, you know, until he took him to Egypt. So God never explains things. But it does happen most of the time, if not all, that every setback and disappointment carries an appointment with God. The third one, Naomi. We know the story of Naomi and we know the beautiful story of Ruth, a beautiful ending. What a story. But the story of Ruth, beautiful as it is, it wouldn't have been so had it not been for the disappointments and the setbacks of Naomi. We know the story that Naomi, uh, she followed her husband to a foreign land and lost everything, everything, you know. And then um, after the death of her husband, Naomi returned to Israel and uh, he had two daughters-in-law. One of them was Ruth. He gave them the choice, you know, because his sons died, their husbands died. So he said, you are still young. I think she was thinking that they were still young. They could get, you know, somebody else and they could get uh, married and live their lives. So she didn't want to be selfish. And then she gave them that choice. But then, you know, releasing them in peace. And the other one left. And then Ruth said, no, I, I'm staying with you. It was all, Ruth was giving her freedom as a young woman to, you know, uh, have a better life with, another man as the, the man uh, that married her had now died. She gave up that and and uh, she was going to be with, with the older women, Naomi. You know, she didn't care about her privileges or her life at the time. But that was really uh, the purposes of God coming into place for both Ruth and Naomi. But God did not explain to them at the time. They had no idea. All they saw was this bleak, you know, life, gloom and doom. That was what they were looking at. But Ruth said, I would rather be with you. We died together than me wondering. I don't even know where I'm going. But God was in it. You know, the appointment here was where that we would not have the beautiful story of Ruth had it not been for the tragic loss of Naomi. And uh, Ruth um, uh, and, and Naomi had a wonderful relationship afterwards. And then uh, the other thing is that, um, you know, Boaz 
came into the into the story and uh, you know he ended up uh, got orchestrated things obviously you know from the tragic loss of of, of naome naome uh, redeemed her land through boas and ruth being in the middle of it so naome didn't just redeem her land only ruth also had a good life after all so that was what god uh, uh, orchestrated the setbacks of naome brought everybody a, 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 you know a, a pleasant and a very happy ending you know so god is always behind what doesn't look like good at all he's always doing something behind that it takes faith to endure it takes faith to walk with it it takes faith to travel with it and job is number four the disappointment of the, we all know the story of job the disappointments of job was that he lost everything he lost um his houses he lost his riches his loss he lost cattle he lost his own children and he was uh, 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 afflicted by a very uh, horrible um, uh, skin disease we are told you know and then and on top of that um he had to deal with the his accusatory friends that were accusing him in the middle of you know what he was uh, already experiencing they were re-traumatizing him that wasn't really helpful at the, in, in the situation but you know let's look at, at 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 his appointments in the middle of that his appointment was that god restored his fortunes his friendships his family and uh, a great future by giving him another 100 the bible says 140 years of health so that job saw his grandchildren great grandchildren and their children as well so god did this to prove to everybody not only his friends not only his wife that was uh, you know trying to get him to curse god in in the midst of the, the setbacks but he was go god was trying to prove to everyone that saw what job went through prove to them how big a god he is and how he can turn anything no matter how bad it looks he can reverse it he can turn it into something very good so that was the appointment of of job and the next one is david we know that david uh, david can fill the whole i mean you can take 10 hours with david so i'm just going to be a little bit brief as well you know and david um we know that his uh, disappointment some of his disappointment was that he became uh, king saul who was king at the time became jealous of him because everybody favored uh, uh, david and then he was forced to flee you know and he lived like an outlaw until saul uh, 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 death and, and this is in the books of uh, one samuel two samuel two kings one cr chronicles if you read those books you will get the full story of uh, the trials of of david regarding that and then the other thing is that david commit committed adultery with bathsheba and got her pregnant and not only did that he arranged for bathsheba's husband to be killed and put him in the front of a uh, the army during a fierce war knowing that anybody that was in the front during that type of a war would not survive and indeed he didn't survive that was i mean a double dose now of you know what he did with with his wife ended up killing the man himself you know and then um the other thing is that um david failed to discipline his sons to a point where his son amnon raped his daughter his sister you know david's daughter 
Tama, and then and then uh, you know one of his other son Absalom got angry with the matter, thinking that David is not doing enough to discipline Amnon. He took it upon himself to kill Amnon and avenge for his sister's uh, his, his, his misfortune. And then in the midst of that, he didn't just leave it there, Absalom. He went on to now instigate everybody, the, the, you know, the, the, the nation, the community, to come against David as king and, you know, and, and then portray him as a king that is not good enough for, for, for people. Look at what he did with my, the case of my sister. I can be a good king. And he came against his, his dad and he had a following. You know, but then the story unfolded that, um, you know, David conquered Absalom in the end, even though he wasn't the one that killed him because he, David mourned for him in spite of the fact that Absalom was coming against David. David still loved him as his son and he mourned for him when he died, you know, after he was killed. But God arranged that Absalom was killed anyway. That was a setback, you know, tragic, tragic. Look at what his sons, you know, were doing. And then... Um, uh, David also uh, took out an unauthorized census, uh, resulting in a deadly plague coming, uh, you know, uh, 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 against the people uh, uh, in, in that in, in that era. And this is all, um, you know, things that um, you know uh, were setbacks to David. He also, um, um, uh, you know, uh, not only brought calamity to to his people, he brought calamity to you know. Uh, I think even the the, the neighboring, uh, uh, you know, the neighboring uh, uh, cities and the neighboring uh, uh, countries, you know, they, they got all these diseases because of him. And then the appointments of David was that he was anointed a, a king of Israel when he was a boy. He defeated Goliath and he married King, Saul, uh, king Saul's daughter and became a hero in Saul's army. And it's all in, in, in one Samuel, uh, the story. David became king of Judah and then king of Israel later on. You know, nobody has ever been, you know, to that position. You, you either rule Israel or you rule I, 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 Judah. You don't really rule both. But David got to do that, you know. And then God made a covenant with David promising that his throne will last forever. It will not be a throne that will, you know, that means his lineage will get into the throne. That was the, 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 you know, the, the, the appointments that came out of all those setbacks in spite of how David had, had conducted his life. David brought the Ark of the Covenant, we know, that to Jerusalem. We know that David was seen dancing there like a madman, you know, and his wife was not happy with how he, you know, he conducted himself like, you know, he was undignified and stuff like that. But that's, that was just David. And, you know, how God, you know, pe people can have you and I, you know, human beings. I don't think that anybody, any human being could have dealt with David the way God dealt with David. The favors, the love, you know, the, uh, the, the blessings that God just ushered to, to David after how David had been after all these sinful lives, after all this mischief and misbehavior and all sorts and his sons being, you know, out of order and doing the, the most horrible sins of them all, incest in the family and all that. But God still chose David 
out of that mess. I don't think that a human being like you and I could have really dealt with David like that. But there's one thing, you know, God wasn't looking at what David was doing that was evil or what David wasn't doing that was good. He was looking at the heart of David and he ended up saying that I have found a man after my own heart because it was not about what David was doing, the sins of his sons and his own sins and, you know, bloodshed and all that. He was looking at the heart of David because David was repentant. David loved God with all his heart. And even though human beings couldn't see the heart of David, they could only see the manifestations of his actions and behavior. They couldn't see his heart, but God could go deeper and see his heart. And that's the reason why God dealt with him in a very different way that man could have dealt with David. And then, you know, um, and then he, he didn't only forgive him, but he took the very uh, he he gave him and 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 Bathsheba the very woman that he acquired in a sinful way he gave them a son that would uh, take the throne from David not only take the throne from David but build God a temple who could do that I mean you and I human beings could have just written off um, David they could have just wrote him off and removed him from the kingship and got somebody else that was outwardly looking good or holy. But God knew that in this weakened body, there's a good heart that I can trust and that can do my bidding and do what I need human beings to do for my kingdom. So David was that kind of an instrument it is the heart that god looks in so when people go through things or maybe you know bad things happening in their lives and we think you know sometimes we can we, we can wish bad luck for them as human beings but you know god is doesn't work like that because he can see very deep in human being uh, as lives and deep into the spirit of a human being that human beings cannot easily access so we are told that in Psalm 27, David wrote, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. That was David. I mean, when he spoke to God, he shook heaven. And God would just easily forget about what David did or what his sons did or whatever happened. He would just easily forget about that because he could just see where the heart position of David was with him. And this is how we need to be. Number six is Paul. Paul, like David, can take the whole week to talk about you know, disappointments, I'll just touch on a few. When Saul became Paul, that is on his way to Damascus, we know that Paul was Saul, and Saul was uh, one of the uh, strongest opposers of Christianity at the time. He was a Jew of Jews, and he didn't want this type of Christianity to come and interfere with their Jewish religion. So he set out to destroy Christians and uh, do away with Christianity. 
one day on his journey to carry out those duties of destroying Christianity, he met Jesus, we know, on his way to Damascus. And then one thing led to another. He was convicted, very much convicted, to a point where he had to go to his buddies, the, the Jewish army that were coming against Christians with him. He had to go and declare to them that I am now a Christian. The very man that we were persecuting, the very uh, 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 movement that we are persecuting and trying to destroy is the, the, the very uh, uh, movement that I am now in. I have been convicted. I believe that this, this is the true God and I am now a Christian. Can you imagine? He lost their trust and he became an immediate enemy. And it didn't end there. Paul tried now to associate himself with Christians, Jesus' disciples to start with. And then when he went to them, because they know him to be Saul, Saul who was after them to destroy them for, um, you know, uh, uh, preaching the gospel. They know him to be, to be, they don't know what happened on the way to Damascus. They don't know, you know, that his heart has really turned um, uh, uh, right. And he's now, you know, on the side of, of, of God and with them, you know, on the side of, of Jesus. They didn't know that. So they had doubts and then they rejected him. So he was not only rejected by his buddies, the Jewish people, he was rejected by the Christians, a movement that he just joined. Can you imagine how painful it is? He was now left in an island. He had nowhere to go. That was a big setback for Paul. Apostle Paul suffered many trials by the hand of man. You know, in, and then we find this in Corinthians 2, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. And then as well as what seemed to be the hand of God upon his flesh to keep him in line. You know, we are, uh, this is talking about uh, uh, the, 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 the thorn in his flesh that Paul regarded as a messenger of Satan. You know, we don't know. The Bible doesn't actually explain what this messenger of Satan was all about. But whatever it is, it was painful. It was painful experiences, spiritually, physically, you know, and psychologically that came upon Paul. We know what Paul went through. We know that he was shipwrecked. We know he went to prison so many times. We know he was outcast. We know he was shunned. He was hated. He was hunted like an animal. We know, you know, all sorts just came to him. And Christians were not really happy with him at, at the same time. We know he couldn't go back to the Jews. He was just an in, in an island, everywhere he went, he was sought after to be killed. That was the thorn in his flesh. And then, and then God, uh, part, the Bible said, you know, he had this so that he, he, you know, he himself said he had this so that he can be kept in line. That means, you know, the way God was using him so greatly that he, he could end up being proud and thinking that he's better than the 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 the, uh, the other. Uh, Christians or maybe the other apostles because God was using him much more than the other apostles. So God was trying to kind of like maybe keep him in line. We don't know, but that's what, you know, the Bible says, you know, that was a setback. It's not a good life, you know, to, to be uh, fighting, uh, you know, dodging and ducking all your life. It's not a good life. It was a setback. But in the midst of that, let's come to Paul's appointments. God uh, uh, told him in the midst of that, that his grace was sufficient for, for, for him. So God assured Paul that even though you are experiencing all this, my grace is sufficient. None of these uh, happenings are going to kill you 
or are going to restrain you from doing what I want you to do. They are not going to hamper or uh, maybe even curtail your, your, your journey you know, in, in the kingdom. You are going to accomplish what you have set you out to accomplish in spite. You know, but that didn't take the pain away. But, you know, the, the, the mission were, missions were being accomplished anyway. And God elevated Paul to the highest position in the apostleship and anointed him, uh, uh, him with a deep revelation uh, knowledge. You know, it was Paul in the book of Acts. I think it was Paul who actually came up with the truth of uh, the, 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 the truth of Isaiah 53, you know, what happened on the cross. Because the apostles didn't know. Jesus' disciples, they didn't know. They, didn't, they hadn't grasped the full meaning of the cross. What benefits were there for them from the cross? They only limited it to, you know, accepting Jesus as your personal savior, getting baptized and get uh, uh, in water and getting uh, the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. They just limited it there. It was just part of the truth. It was part of the deal. It wasn't the whole deal. But it was Paul who discovered Isaiah 53 and he revealed this to them because at some point the bible said they did uh, gave paul the benefit of a doubt and then you know they didn't reject him forever they rejected him for some time but then when they started to see that he was consistent with his uh, uh, work of the lord they then gave him the benefit of a, of, a, of a doubt so then when they now reconciled with him and accepted him he now had a chance to reveal what god had revealed to him he then said no it doesn't end there it's not just getting saved it's not just being baptized in water it's not just being baptized uh, with, with the gift of the spirit it is more than that we get our iniquities uh, 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 forgiven we get our diseases healed we get the blessings we get redemption we get all sorts you know from the cross and he has given us a name above all name and that at the mention of his name every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is lord and that we can command anything in his name and peter took it from there and we know that you know with the 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 the, the, the at the the man at the beautiful gate you know we are told that uh, in x38 we are told that you know um uh, you know, um, uh, 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 a man was healed there when Peter grasped the, the power in the name of Jesus. Where did he get that? He got that from Paul. So that was an appointment in spite of the fact that they rejected Paul in the beginning. Look what now Paul is such a blessing to them. He is bringing these revelations. Paul built established churches. We know, you know, in, in the epistles, it was all Paul's work there. And he was uh, encouraging uh, church leaders. He was encouraging congregation. He was going from pillar to, to post with, with the word of God in spite of the thorn in the flesh. So that is how God tends anything that may not look like he is in it to be something very good, not only for the person, but for everybody that is, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, in, 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 in the vicinity of the person and beyond because it is for the purposes of his kingdom on earth. Number seven is Jesus. You know, Jesus himself, you know, we know that Jesus suffered. You know, he, I mean, he went from being accused of eating with sinners, of befriending tax collectors. They even went to a point where they were accusing him of um, sexual sin with Mary Magdalene or whatever prostitutes that he was delivering. 
and bringing into the kingdom. The uh, 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 religious um, uh, 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 religious leaders of, of the day, they didn't want him at all because his doctrine was, um, uh, you know, kind of like opposing their doctrine because they were reading scriptures and expecting people to follow the scriptures when they themselves were not following the scriptures. And Jesus was confronting them regarding that. You know, he was really very much in, 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 in their forefront and saying, you, you, you cannot, what you are preaching is lies. Hypocrisy was coming against that a great deal. And they hated him for that. And, and you know, Jesus found solace with amongst non-believers. And God used that uh, as an opportunity for him now to win them to, 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 to the kingdom of God. And that's the reason why he was winning all these sorts of of, 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 of sinners. He was bringing them into the kingdom of God because he was spending time with them and he had that opportunity. You know, he wasn't spending time in synagogues with, with those hypocrites. He was spending time with those who are outright there sinning you know, right, left, and, and center. You know, they didn't care, you know. And then he was spending time with them. And when he's spending time with them, he was now sharing the gospel and he was winning them to the Lord. And that this is now how God turned what was not good into something good. I know that some of you are maybe facing things today or you may have faced uh, things in, in the past that didn't really look anywhere like God were in them. And you are also saying, oh, Sarah is talking about David, is talking about Paul, Moses, and these are people in the Bible, you know, and then these people had a very good relationship with God and they could talk to God like they are talking to one another. You know, that's, that's how uh, Christianity was at the time. You know, we don't get that today. We live in a real world with, with real lives and, and real things are happening. I know that. I know that I can testify of that. And I myself, I can testify of, uh, uh, you know, things that happened, not as big as these biblical characters, but, you know, little things that happened in my life as well that didn't look anywhere like leading to any, any, any good outcome, you know, that made me feel like God, God has forsaken me or he's gone out of my life. And in the end, they unfolded to have been a route a, uh, or, or a passage of a journey or package of a journey that I needed to take to get to the destination where God was taking me or to get to a point in my journey where God was leading me. Had I not been through those things, I wouldn't have had uh, reached that place where I was at the time. Why look back, God would make me look back and see that, you know, it was all a package. You were coming here. That was the route that you had to take. So, you know, I can't go uh, along in that on my own uh, testimonies, but I want to give you one real story testimony that would make you know and see that God of uh, uh, the Moses God of David and God of Paul is still the same God today. And what he did with them, he is still doing today. And he can do it with any of us because he did it with this man. So I'm going to be reading a little bit here because it's a true story and I don't want to, uh, you know, tell it in, in the wrong way or add or subtract, subtract. So bear with me. I'll be reading a little bit. The story goes that in November 1873, an ocean liner 
De Ville du Havre set sail from New York to France, carrying 313 passengers who were heading home for Christmas. A lady, a wife, and a mother of four beautiful girls aged 11, 9, 5, and 2, Anna Stafford, were among the passengers from Chicago. The father was taking care of business, um, aiming at catching the next uh, ship to join them in time for Christmas. This assured Anna, and she happily went aboard with the children. Her husband's uh, business had been heavily struck uh, two years prior by the effects of the Chicago fire, and he lost big time on his uh, interests. So the family needed a respite and healing, and he looked forward to re reuniting with his family uh, for Christmas and having, you know, some form of, of respite. On that night of uh, 1873, aboard the ship, Anna gathered her four children and uh, prayed as usual before she put them to bed. Whilst asleep, tragedy struck. Around 2 a.m. in the morning, they were woken up by a huge shaking and a sound, and the ship had just collided with a very uh, a strong uh, a ship, Scottish ship, uh, Loch Anne. And then in that confusion, people were running around grabbing life uh, vests and hopping into life boats, you know, to escape what was happening. In the confusion, Anna as, as two older daughters, that is the 11-year-old and the 9-year-old, they slipped away from view and never to be found again. She tried to hold on to the youngest, the five and the two. Few minutes after the impact, a huge wave washed the deck and Anna was drawn under with the two girls. Anna tried to hold on to the five-year-old but lost the grip and the girl swept, was swept under the water. In a split second, as she tearfully gazed at the disappearing five-year-old, she felt her hand slowly losing grip on the two-year-old as well. She turned her watery eyes to the girl's side and helplessly saw her also disappear under the water till she couldn't see anything any longer. The Scottish crew later found her uh, uh, laying on a, a plank floating. She was unconscious at the time when they found her. And then they took her to Wales, apparently, because that ship was very strong, so it was not affected. And then they took Anna to, to, to Wales. And we are told that Anna was so distraught, so broken. I mean, it was just a shell of a human being. She had, her soul was gone. Her spirit was crushed to beyond recognition. These people were him, her and her husband, uh, Horatio. They were Presbyterian Christians. And I believe that the husband had a position. If he wasn't the pastor then or associate pastor, he was an elder. Very, very devout Christian. Anyway, so believed in God. And then she was so crushed that she kind of like said in her heart, God, where are you? And then we are told that she, she wrote to her husband in quotes, saved but alone, what shall I do? Her husband Horatio set sail immediately from New York and he wrote to a friend, apparently the friend was D.L. Moody, 
we are we, we are told that uh, Horatio was a very good friend of uh, 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 um, D.L. Moody, and D.L. Moody was his mentor actually, was was the one that brought him to fame. So he wrote to him and said, in quote, there is just one thing in these days that has become magnificently clear. I must not lose faith. That was his first reaction to the news when his wife told him. Four days into the journey, the captain summoned him to the foredeck when the ship was uh, nearing the spot where Anna's ship had gone down with his four children. Uh, when they got to the spot where uh, the wreckage uh, happened, the accident happened, the, 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 um, the, the captain of the ship got him out of the ship. I think he, he wanted him to reconcile with the, the place, to come to a place of reconciliation, or I don't know, admittance, something. He got out of there, and then we are told also uh, that when he got out, Horatio refused to look down. He would later be heard saying, in quote, I did not think of our dear ones there. He gazed out across the rolling waves up into the sky as if to look up to God. Then he began to formulate an expression on his faith. He wrote a verse that became a hymn. The Staffords were Presbyterian, as I said, Bible-believing Christians. And then he wrote, he scribbled. It was like at the time when he looked up to God and refused to look at the tragedy and the spot. He looked up to God. God uh, 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 deposited in his spirit that which would not only benefit him, but will benefit the rest of humanity up until today. And this song came into being. It was birthed there at his most difficult, painful, heart-wrenching moment. God wrote something out of it. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roar, whatever my Lord, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. This is where the song was birthed under a heart that was so heavy but refused to listen to the heaviness and the, 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 the incidents that led to the heaviness of the heart, but looked up to God, and God had an opportunity to bring something that would be a legacy for all eternity. Anna, at the same time, after regaining consciousness, she was overwhelmed with despair, wanting to throw herself into the raging ocean. Who wouldn't? I would have thought that way, thinking, what is there to live for? There's nothing else to live for. Suddenly, apparently, the, the story goes, this is a true story. The story goes, she's, she had a voice. I call it a, a still small voice. And then the voice said, in quote, you are spared for a purpose, Anna. You have a work to do. On return to Chicago, Horatio, the husband, sought support from his congregation to help him face financial loss as well as the loss of his children. God later blessed them with a girl, and uh, a year later, another girl. So we are told that they had a boy. The boy was firstborn, 
and then he died at the age of three apparently he suffered from scarlet fever and he died then the six girls uh, were born after the boy so they lost um uh, four of the girls and then after all this tragedy god gave them two girls so with the boy they lost all five and they were left with only two horatio uh, they they held on to their faith and hope in god and the song continued though satan should buffet though trials should come let this blessed assurance control that christ has regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul it is well it is well with my soul they moved to jerusalem and established a colony uh, near bethlehem and apparently up until today this is a, a, a very um, popular um, holiday christmas time spot for christians they go there to spend their their christmas in remembrance to the birth of christ a colony that horatio um, established you know i mean i mean uh, the story goes on anyway but i don't want to go on there but you know look the hymn today is not only a blessing to us as christians it is a blessing to non-christians as well if you were to sing this song because it is known worldwide and it is known for many decades this song was created in 1873 and from 1873 onwards it was sung all over by all denominations and movements of christianity and everybody that came in and out of christianity or had some form of contact with christianity would know the song and the the the, the power that it had then in in the night on the night of 1873 that day when he was in the middle of the sheep at the spot where he lost his children where he should have really I, I i could imagine he should have he could have even thought of jumping into the sea and say i'm going to die at the right spot where they died but he didn't look because he knew that if i look i will jump so i'm going to look up because if i look up then i won't jump down and when he looked up god seized the moment to give him a a, a, a song that would bless us the world, the whole entire world is blessed. I can tell you in workplaces, I can tell you everywhere, every gathering, it doesn't matter whether people are believers or not. This song comes into play. People sing it with their whole hearts. I don't know if they understand exactly where it came from. I didn't. I had to bump into it when God led me to, it, to the story. I didn't know. I sang it for years without knowing the background. And then, you know, I knew that it is, it is talking about, you know, situations. It is talking about setbacks. It is talking about issues. It is talking about all sorts, you know, that are not good in, in a person's life. But I didn't know that, you know, this was a true story. Can you see? God can turn what doesn't look like good at all in our own eyes into something very very good not only for you as a, an individual but for everybody that is with you and and the world at large so we are learning now that uh, bad things 
disappointments or setbacks or situations or conditions whatsoever, circumstances, when they happen to us, there is something lacking at the back. So we are now being educated. We are now being trained to know our God, the kind of God we serve, that he is bigger than any situation. He is bigger than any ordeal whatsoever. He is bigger than any trial. And he is not out of the trial. He is inside the trial with us at the time of the trial. He may not take the pain. He may not take the backlashes. He may not take the feelings. He may not take anything that you are feeling at the time. He will leave you to feel it because that is going to ground you. Like Paul said, a thorn in my flesh. That may be used to ground you to always look up to God and say, I am doing what I am doing, not in my own strength. I am doing what I'm doing, not because I am God's favorite. I am doing what I'm doing, not because I have a hand on a handle on God, but I am doing what I'm doing because God chose me to do what I am doing. And it all rests upon him. So sometimes, and not even sometimes, Always, I have to say, always, when things are happening that are contrary to what we know God has said, sometimes he would have told us. Sometimes he wouldn't even have told us. We just don't even know why things are happening. We don't know why, uh, you know, uh, situations are changing. It is, we need to get our spirits in line. When the spirit is in line, I believe that Horatio's spirit was in line. It was in its position, in its right position of being the spirit, the soul, and the body. So the spirit was in charge at the time when all this calamity happened in his life. It found him having his spirit in the right place. And because the spirit was in the right place, the first thing that would come to him and his mind was God. Because this, our human spirit connects to the Holy Spirit. And when it connects to, connects to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit connects us to God. And then we hear God. His wife, Anna, her spirit was also in line at the time when all this came. Because when she was crying to God, with tears just rolling down, she couldn't even make a sound. That was a cry deep coming from deep down in her heart. When she said, I don't know why I'm leaving. And a still small voice came and said, Anna, this happened for a purpose. I have a purpose for you. Her spirit was in line. It was in the right position because she had God at that moment. She couldn't have had God if her spirit was underneath or at the bottom. And that's the reason why we need to have our spirits always at the right position. That is listening, ready, listening to God or waiting on God. What are you saying, God? Your spirit being in line, no matter what happens and never forget that whatever happens whether bad or too bad or excruciating whatever it is 
loss. I mean, you can lose, lose anything, everything like uh, Job did. I mean, the state that Job was in. No human being can survive. You, you can really just lose it there. You can, you, you can just become mental. But, you know, because his spirit was so in line and so in a good position to connect with the spirit of God, he remained sane. He remained, you know, with his full faculties to a point where God could speak to him and then he could reverse everything and bless him. So what is God saying here? He is saying that know that it doesn't matter what is happening. I am there in the same situation with you. And not only that, this is the pathway of your journey. This is the route selected by me for your journey. Sometimes it is the devil, like in the, in the, in the, in the story of Job, that had uh, asked for permission to assault him. And also the thorn in the flesh that was uh, bothering Paul. That was from the devil. And God allowed both men to go through what they went through in the hand of the devil. God can do that. And sometimes the devil will use you, fellow human beings to bring those uh, calamities into your life if they allow themselves to be used. And he can even use people that are very close to you. He can use people you trusted before. He can use people that were working with you before and they just decided to turn against you. He can do all sorts. He is God. He can allow anything. But what is he saying in the midst of this? He is saying that I am in that what is happening. I am in there. I know the story. I know the beginning of it and I know the end of it. And I'm not going to tell you everything so you can comply, so you can be assured, so you can be comforted. I am not going to tell you that this is happening because uh, there in the front uh, is a tower or a, you know, a, 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 a mansion or a big ministry or a big business or, you know, whatever the fortune can be or the blessing can be. He's not going to tell us. He didn't tell any of these people. He never told them. It was just things were just happening, the blessings were just happening, the appointments were just happening without them knowing because God was being in control. They were just getting, they just got their spirit in a position where they can work with God and connect with him in a true uh, a sense of the way. So we are learning from this that it doesn't only happen with biblical characters, it happens with us I have quite a few instances myself in my life where situations happened and I really cried out to God and at times I even pleaded with him to stop the situations and he didn't. They continued, they even got worse. But then there was a place where I got, where I looked back and God just made me look back and said, a place of a blessing where I got to. And God made me look back and say, you remember that time when you were cry, crying out to me to stop that? That was the journey. That was the, the package. That was what you needed to get to where you are today. And slowly, slowly, I got to learn that, yeah, you know, God works in mysterious ways. But most of, of the time, he works through calamities, situations, setbacks, and disappointments. But they are going to end up 
with their birth. It's like a, a disappointment births appointment, you know, a setback. It, it births a good appointment, a blessing. So if we know how God works, then we will not cry. We will be like Horatio. We will look up instead of looking down and thank God for what he is doing, knowing that he is in control and he's taking us to where he wants us to go. We may not know yet, but he is taking us to his purposes and his, uh, his, 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 his blessings for his people, not necessarily for us, but mainly for his kingdom and his people. So can we today learn something from this? I'm learning myself. As I was preparing this, I learned a lot, a lot. And I know that my view of how things work out, my view of current situation is, 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 is changing, is, is really a change. I learned a lot now to know that God is not limited by situations. God is not controlled, is not overpowered. God is not dictated to by bad situations. He is still God and his word stays. So what do we do? We hold fast to our confession of the truth of the word of God. If he has told us something, we believe, stay believing that that is going to happen. It doesn't matter. If he said you will end up west with such and such and such a thing happening, which is good, and then you see yourself going left, uh, I mean, uh, uh, south, and you wonder, but God said west, why is everything taking me south? Why is everything pushing me to the south when I'm supposed to be going to the west? This is not the, the direction that I'm supposed to be going. You must know that God can take you south, he can take you east, he can take you uh, north before he gets you to the west where you are supposed to have what he said you will have. So that is how he works. And if we know how he works, we will always have our spirit in the right position and cooperate with him. And with this, I just want to say thank you for listening. And it's been good to, to have you again, once again. And, uh, you know, you know, just helping one another to understand our God and his goodness and his mysterious ways of, of doing things. Just look at how he worked with David. David, you know, in, in the eyes of man, he was the least of the least to be appointed uh, king, given the, 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 his behavior, you know, and his, his family and everything that was happening. In the human eye, nobody would ever even have thought uh, of appointing David to be king. But God, because he knew beyond the surface, he knew beyond the outside manifestations of his behaviors and conducts, he knew that his heart nevertheless is with me, you know, and then he ended up, you know, making use of David and David ended up being as good to God as God knew he would be. So you and I, no matter what is happening in our lives, we can be vessels of, of God to bring his uh, kingdom into this dying world, no matter what is happening. So again, thank you. And, um, you know, uh, don't forget to um, click and like uh, the video and um, subscribe and give feedback as well. You know, this is about feedback just to, you know, to say how this the, the stories helped you and also what went well and what didn't go well. You know, we learn from one another 
So we accept both positive and uh, not so positive uh, remarks. And we, we really uh, would like to have those so we can, you know, um, uh, work on ourselves and uh, on our work uh, to proceed uh, further in a, a good line with uh, what God wants us to do. So again, uh, I would um, ask you to visit my website, www.seramloi.org, uh, www and uh, from there, you can access some of the things that I share, all, all of the things that I share there uh, that can be of, of help to you. And also you can be taken to a page where you can uh, purchase my book, uh, A Journey of a Thousand uh, Miles uh, Begins with One Step, which is my own personal story. Uh, some of the things that I said, um, you know, there were setbacks and there were uh, situations and disappointments in my life that turned out to be you know, leading me to the goodness of God. I share them in that book, you know, and um, everything, you know, from birth to where I am today, it's all in that in that book. I'm not saying I've done so much to God. I wish I had done more. And I believe that I am going to do more with his hand upon my life and with my spirit connecting with his spirit, I will do more with the help of, 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 of his uh, Holy Spirit, of course. And so, you know, um, so you can, you can get that book there. And, uh, you know, so I appreciate your time and I appreciate your listening. And, uh, uh, you know, I will uh, come back again when I get another chance to share a, a video or another message with you. I do uh, work on, um, you know, Christianity, like the video that I've just done now, and some other work is just on um, uh, issues of life. I'm a mental health uh, professional, and um, you know, uh, me as having been a sufferer of uh, um, some issues myself, childhood issues myself, and uh, having needed the help sometimes of um, uh, professionals, in psychological professionals. I do know that, uh, you know, as human beings, we do need help sometimes with the difficulties that we are going through. And so sometimes I do tackle some of the common difficulties that I see in my line of duty. Sometimes it's some, some things that I personally experienced and help people how to get out of those situations and, you know, and where to get help and how to access that help. And so some, some of my work dwells on uh, the mental health uh, uh, side of things, psychological uh, side of things. And so, you know, people can get help uh, whilst they, you know, uh, journey in, in, their, in, the, in their walk with, with God. So you will find that variety as you go along with me. Once again, thank you and goodbye.